We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. running back landscape ahead of nfl week 13 week 13 is it unlucky for some we're hoping it's going to be lucky for us and all the ot listeners as we get set for either the playoffs or towards the playoffs i have some leagues like the ffpc main event that myself and sean will be touching on at the end of today's show that we are hoping to be lucky in the playoffs start this week the semi-final stage of that and then dynasty leagues and season-long leagues that have another week or two left so we're, we're hoping to uh, surge on towards the playoffs so we need results in week 13 to keep all of that positivity keep the momentum going sean as we would like to say at the start of today's show though i do want to give a shout out to one of our listeners charles who kept this quiet sean all season long but did step forward after we did our tuesday show where we told our listeners that we had made it into the playoffs that we had finished with that win on record and there was a set of listeners who were certainly not rooting for us on monday night football turns out that chuck got in contact with me he co-manages a team along with preston arn and adam and that very team has been in our 12 team ffpc main event all season long they may have been listening in to try and see what we were going to do on certain weeks even when we were facing off with them as they did defeat us a couple of weeks back but that very team was the top team in points they beat us by around 10 points and prevented us from getting that sweep with the tj hawkinson touchdown on monday night football so really fun to get to interact with chuck over the last couple of days and hopefully hopefully we'll be meeting up and facing off in the finals next week for that ffpc championship very very cool to have these interactions and have these conversations with the ot community it's always awesome when when we get these conversations going but i was joking with sean that we've been talking strategy and we try and keep things close to the vest and not give too much away and we had a few people reach out to sean with People who listen on Spotify, you get your Spotify rap uh, this time of the year. A few people reaching out, including Sean Hogan, talking about us, ship chasing, stealing bananas, lots of great podcasts, JJ's podcast in there, the late round quarterback, and Sean, legendary upside of our buddy Pat Curry and, and the mix as well for him. Appreciate the the love and support that comes from the, the community from that side of things. So exciting for us to get that sort of information. And, and I keep forgetting to say this, Sean, 
some people use Google Podcasts. I tend to use Google Podcasts from time to time, depending on what device I'm using. It is going away. It has been folded up over the next couple of months. So my advice to you, if you're listening to this on Google Podcasts, please subscribe on a, an alternative podcast uh, platform so you're able to get our shows once that change occurs. But with all that out of the way, Sean, we are we are ready here for NFL Week 13. This is going to be a, a lucky 13 for us and our listeners, I believe. I think so. I, 13 has always been my lucky number. It was the day that I was born on. And it's just a, it's a fun number, Colin. Week 13 is going to be the best week of the season yet for the OT community. I can feel it. A huge congratulations to Charles, as you mentioned. Colin, I, I love the way that you suggested that we're keeping anything close to the vest that is definitely we probably should keep more stuff close to the vest sean no no we're yeah, we we're always say we, transparent we and we do what we say that way we do we do and a lot of times listeners are like well that's what they want to do then let's go play in fantasy <laughs> charles did he beat us at the buzzer and deservedly so colin we're gonna have a fun little exercise today based off or built off of this week's zero rb universe one of the two longest, maybe the longest Zero RB universe ever. And we're going to be looking at redraft, closing and on the playoffs here. Two weeks left in a lot of leagues. If you were in a shallow or a shallow medium type of league and you're really trying to figure out how to marshal your roster spots and figure out the best path forward to win in that 12-team league that you have, right? These most important leagues that we have with our college friends, our family members, your workmates, all of that. You've got to win that league over the next month, month and a half. And then certainly, so the exercise is going to be, number one, just kind of going through the, the RB landscape. But then number two, do you want the backup in these offenses? Who should you handcuff and who should you cut and pick up different players, maybe a different position, what have you? If you're not in a shallow league, obviously there's still be some use to that. And we'll have a lot of different, hopefully fun nuggets for you as we work through the running backs here column let's jump right in and go to the nfc east this was a pretty brutal week this week if you're a new york giants fan we had the great game from barkley in week 11 and then it's back to the grind when you have no offense you have no quarterback he had 12 very low value carries the giants didn't penetrate the 10 yard line in that game and so they're not going to be able to get you know him involved for the goal line touches he only catches one of three targets for a paltry six receiving yards this is probably a super softball one to start you out matt breed are you are you stashing him in case saquon barkley gets hurt i'm not 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 unless i'm a saquon barkley owner who's very concerned about that the, the problem with the giants and we'll see this with a few of these teams that we talk about some of the quarterback situations, Sean, are just terrible, just brutal. And offenses with the talent of Saquon Barkley are going to struggle, I think, at times here to put up points. And the backups are certainly not going to be able to repeat anything like that. So I'm not going not going with Breda. And there, obviously, I think there's, there's no standalone value there at the moment. Dallas Cowboys. Two weeks ago, Tony Pollard was a huge bust. He's put up 40 points across those two weeks. He's also generated 10 evaded tackles which is a huge huge number to put that in context he had only 11 evaded tackles over the first nine games right so 11 over the first nine 10 over these last two 
suddenly he looks like Tony Pollard again. You have behind him Rico Dowdle barely playing, but he does get a 15-yard receiving touchdown late. He's averaging more yards after contact at 2.7, more broken tackles at 11% rate, more forced missed tackles at a 5% rate. This handcuff column, if you have Tony Pollard, and maybe even if you don't, in a shallow to medium league, are you cutting a viable but non-starting wide receiver to make sure you have the backup on your bench? Yeah, I'm willing to move here for for Dowdle if that was the situation in terms of giving up receiver depth, depending on your overall situation. But if you're in a league where he would be available, 100%. Uh, kind of the opposite of the other situation. I think he has standalone value, as we've seen. And the way the Cowboys at the moment are, it's not going to happen every week, but the way they are, and we're recording this before Thursday Night Football, so you know the outcome of that maybe factored into people listening to this at the moment but they are blowing teams out at a pretty consistent rate and that gives more opportunities for some of those guys who maybe are further down the depth chart but that would include Dowdle here so standalone value and huge kind of contingency value if, if anything was to happen to Pollard and shout out to Pollard Sean we have to say looking a lot better over the last couple of weeks than he had at the start of the season yes DeAndre Swift Posted 19 or more EP on three different occasions from week two to week six, but hasn't crested 16 cents. And his average of just 12 expected points per game. I mean, that's borderline playable for someone that we talk about, you know, in the dynasty show being worth a first round pick. He's been in the midst of this difficult schedule. That's something I've talked about a lot in the article as the season has gone by and two more difficult games with the 49ers and the Cowboys. And then you have this three week stretch where he's got great schedule for the fantasy playoffs. So particularly there, obviously you're going to be keeping Deandre Swift. You're probably going to be starting him unless you know, you're in a very shallow league where you have so many options that you don't need him here. It becomes a little bit more interesting when we think about a deeper league for Swift as a starter over the first six weeks, he was averaging 2.7 yards before contact, only 1.0 over this tougher stretch. But then in week 12, blows up. He has that 36-yard gain that we talked about, averages almost four yards before contact against the Buffalo Bills. This before contact yardage is really the story for Swift. That's where he excels. That's where he gives you something that other running backs don't. Kenneth Gainwell doesn't give it to you. Boston Scott, maybe not as much. Gainwell is the guy that the coaches like or at least have really demonstrated an affinity for through touches and snaps to this point. Colin, if anything should happen to Swift, do you think this would become a three-back committee? Do you think that Boston Scott you know, would make the push? Obviously, Rashad Penny is the big talent, but... I mean, if he were going to do something, they probably would be giving him a few snaps. Are any of these guys rosterable in shallow to shallow medium types of leagues? Well, anyone watching this over on the YouTube side will have seen me trying to you know, keep a straight face. Can, can we say that uh, Rashad Penny becomes the running back one in this offense? No, no path to that happening. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't look likely, that Sean. That 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 would be the fun outcome here well it would actually be a disaster because that would mean that deandre swift was hurt we don't want to see that happening um i i think though without swift getting hurt we aren't going to have enough standalone kenny ginwell boston scott work if something happened to the swift i think it probably becomes a three-headed backfield but on even as much as we would want penny to lead that 
I think Gainwell probably would lead that based on what you mentioned with the coaches and, and with kind of the situation coming into the season where, where it looked like Gainwell might actually be the, the lead guy here. I, I'm still expecting big things from Swift. And you mentioned the difficult schedule does have a kind of a, I, I, won't, I don't want to say a cakewalk, but has a very favorable kind of four of his easiest matches of the entire season come in 15, 16, 17, and 18. So we have two tough weeks here, San Francisco, Dallas coming up. But I, I think that if you have him, he, he has to be started. But the, if he goes down, I, I don't think the other guys are must start. The offense, though, is what you're you're looking for here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Washington Commanders get blown out on Thanksgiving by the Cowboys. That was expected. The tricky part is the usage for the running backs in that game. And it really reminds you that even with how well he's actually scored this season, that every week is a risk for Brian Robinson. He's only averaging 11.8 expected points per game, which I mean, that's not really startable, right? 11.8 isn't going to get you where you want to go unless you're talking about a superstar who's adding a bunch of additional value on top of that. Now, the perhaps surprising thing, and Colin, you and I were playing with this because you had mentioned before the show that Najee Harris has a lot of these sort of medium long runs, which you know arguably invalidates some of the plotter status with him. I think you've got to give him a lot of credit for some of the gains that he has made this year, some of the individual runs. When you pull up the screener and you look at running back plays of 
20 plus yards in both the rushing and the receiving game. The crazy thing is that Brian Robinson, where the thesis for him was mostly that he is good enough and he's kind of in that Najee Harris, Josh Jacobs, good enough type of Alabama back template profile style, what have you in the commanders. If Sam Howell does what we had hoped that Robinson is going to get the work, he's going to score the goal line touchdowns and it's a good play, not a great play. It hasn't really worked out that way. Sam Howell has played well, but they have passed so often that the running backs don't necessarily get the touches. But the flip side of that is that Brian Robinson leads the NFL in these touches when you put rushing attempts and receptions together. Just the three rushes of 20-plus yards, but seven receptions. We know that a couple of those were very recent in Week 11 with the multiple highlight receptions. Another back who kind of features into this discussion is Travis Etienne, who has who's leading the NFL in touchdowns of 20 plus. And so I think sometimes listeners are maybe wondering, like, why are we so negative about ETN when we love him and he's scoring a lot? But if you're going to be reliant on these big plays, and it's not just that you're reliant on because the big play is something that we're chasing. It's one of the reasons why we like a Jonathan Taylor. It's one of the reasons why you like a Kenneth Walker, and he's a name who features you know very prominently on this list. It's why we like a Bijan Robinson. It's why you like a Brees Hall. Brees Hall has the best balanced portfolio here, where he actually has four rushes and four receptions of 20 plus. But you don't want to exclusively rely on that. And that's been the issue with ETN recently. And it's kind of the big picture issue with a Brian Robinson. When you look at Washington here, Chris Rodriguez did play a little bit at the very end. Antonio Gibson got some carries at the very end. We know that Gibson uh, has had a variety of games where he led in routes. The running back routes were down in this game. Is Antonio Gibson a guy that's worth handcuffing to Brian Robinson in a shallow type of league? Yeah, 100%. And although it didn't happen in this past week and then he had a game with injury, he has had standalone value. And we've talked about this on the, the show a few times with some of the changes they've made to the offense in terms of getting the ball to the running backs to allow Sam Howell to get the ball out quicker to avoid sacks. So get and I know we're saying, you know, Brian Robinson say the numbers are on the edge of like a true what you want as a starter, but I believe a lot of rosters and a lot of teams, particularly that I have that are built through the wide receivers, a player like Brian Robinson is going to be an automatic starter on those rosters. So depending on your your depth there, but I also think that Gibson is somebody who is playable in difficult situations like covering a bye week, let's say. Uh, and I do think if anything happened to Robinson, he has a lot of a lot of value at that point then. Moving on to the NFC North and starting with maybe a weird team to start with here, column in the Chicago Bears. Khalil Herbert back, Deontay Foreman out, Roshan Johnson has his highest EP game since week one. He draws the five targets. His profile has been strange because he leads the Bears in yards before contact, but his last in yards after contact. That's not necessarily what we would have expected based on what he did there at Texas. None of these guys are necessarily touching the ball a ton. Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, even Roshan Johnson. Again, if you have roster spot issues, are you looking at all of these Chicago backs is being expendable. I mean, this is a case where, I mean, even the starter, you can maybe argue, 
is less valuable than a different teams and a better teams and a team that creates running back value at much larger levels that maybe you would prefer a handcuff on a different team to any of the Chicago players. How are you looking at this one? I, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm feeling okay about the Roshan Johnson basketball shares that I have as the season fills out here. But if I had to say that I'm going to start him with confidence on any of these weeks moving forward, if the other guys are active, that is not the situation I'm in. So I think you kind of had it on it there. I, I, some of the guys we talked about already, I would I would rather have than than these Bears running backs because if all three of them are active, I think it's just impossible to know which way the the pieces are going to fall. They all do certain things well. None of them does everything well. None of them are going to be in there as the the three down back. So yeah, I, I'm passing here on the Bears the Bears RBs. Well, I think Detroit is easy. We want both Gibbs and Montgomery. The Minnesota Vikings. You have Alexander Madison. 10 carries this week he did get the 52 yards but i think the interesting thing for me and what really stood out when you watched the game 10 carries nine design gaps so he's hitting the design gap 90 percent of the time but that's a problem right seven times hit at the line three times stuff we know madison doesn't have the you know long speed we know he doesn't have the agility to bounce a play to the outside it limits you basically to taking these stuffs madison has really not been playable this year in fantasy would his backup ty chandler be playable if madison got hurt no the other situation that we have there is in green bay anyone other than aj Dillon that you can roster from the packers no the nfc south column we had a an incursion cordero patterson joins the one-two punch we now have a one-two-three punch from the falcons they rush the ball 41 times beautiful football i just want to mention desmond or the the play he made the pass that he made on that 26 yard touchdown to Bijan robinson absolutely fantastic best throw of his career it's a very nice pass robinson gets the air yards on it one of the things that you like robinson for as this potential or generational prospect i mean say generational prospect that doesn't mean generational player but the air yard value that he brings as at least an option that a team can deploy him with their tyler Algier, cordero patterson so instead of asking you about the shallow league here i'm going to ask you about the deep league cordero patterson adding him in deep leagues as we go down the stretch the real question here is sean is how can we up the attempts 41 attempts can we up that <laughs> can we get to 50 carries next week for the can we break what wonder what is the nfl record for carries in a game can we break that that is where we're, we're leading towards i think if i was in a very deep league i would look to stash but i i wouldn't be putting them anywhere near a lineup heading into this week because this was the first week we've seen any sort of usage so i'm i'm still very much wanting algier far ahead of patterson and i know that wasn't the question but i i would i would stash him colin because we drafted some big talents out of the dead zone this year we also have actually used fewer roster spots on running backs and multiple playoff teams with only three running backs on the 20-man roster there were a couple leagues this week where i tried to add patterson as the fourth running back 
if you get players who are key to your success hurt right now, probably you're just not going to accomplish your objective. Certainly if your objective is to win that $1 million and you lose a key starter, putting Cordero Patterson is probably not the solution, but you do want to add a little bit of redundancy there. Patterson is, you know, at the very outside edge of relevance, Carolina Panthers. The interesting thing here is how much the receiving work has flipped from Miles Sanders early to Chuba Hubbard late. Over the recent four games, Hubbard owns a 79-39 routes advantage. He had a 24-5 routes advantage in this most recent game. So strangely, the question here, in this offense, where we know that basically no points are going to be scored, is Miles Sanders someone who is stashable for the playoff run? Every situation is going to be different, but uh, for me, that's in, in desperation situations. The New Orleans Saints, Colin, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Saints. We have Alvin Kamara here, weeks four, five, six, seven, immediately off the suspension. He had astronomical receiving EP numbers. He had two games where he was at 19 or more, just expected points based on his receiving volume. That number has dropped over the last four, still very playable, but the last four would be a stretch that is not at the level that he had, say, in that Drew Brees type of era. You have a week here where, and as we record, we're still not 100% sure how healthy they're going to be, but obviously Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid go down in week 12 that could open him up a little bit i think it's pretty obvious we don't want jamal williams any like tiny glimmer of hope for kendry miller i would love there to be a, a glimmer of hope sean we have seen a few at the early part of the season uh, you know when he was healthy but i don't think it's going to happen this year and i, I think alvin kamara is co- completely the lead running back in this offense and i think that's the way it's going to stay Jamal Williams, when he was signed, and I know he's missed time as well, it felt like he may have more work because of what he did last year, but Kamara has kind of pushed all that to the, the back end. Um, the one thing I want to say, and then this isn't, it's kind of running back related, but Taysom Hill, I think we have to give him some credit for what he has done this year in terms of as a receiver as well as a rusher because that wasn't something up until this year he had added in so not not to talk just about Taysom Hill but we we don't really talk about him we don't give him credit I've been extremely impressed with some of the plays that he's been able to make this season and unfortunately as well for any Alvin Kamara uh, managers or even Derek Carr managers Taysom Hill can be a or even wide receivers or tight end managers of New Orleans because Taysom Hill can do it all and and he kind of has been this season This was a bizarre game that we didn't go into in great detail, but the Saints more or less moved the ball at will. Derek Carr averages eight yards per attempt, which if you've gone through all the stats this week, there were a lot of teams that couldn't get to five, right? They average over five yards per carry as well on 28 carries. Colin, Ben and I did an interesting stealing bananas this week where, at least interesting to me, where we discussed the mobile QBs and the turnovers turnovers were and not specifically those two things like turnovers from those mobile qbs but those two threads and how they're connected and how they are causing an interesting 
dilemma, I think, for offenses in 2023. But when you look at the stats here, you're trying to figure out how the Falcons were able to win this game. It is an Arthur Smith special where basically you're just hoping for good fortune. But you also have to give credit when that fortune occurs and you take full advantage. They get the pick six. There's also a play in this game where Taysom Hill fumbles at the nine-yard line. And so, I mean, those are the two very high-leverage plays in that game. Unfortunately, Hill, who's been fantastic, does factor in negatively on one of them. The interesting thing here, I think, for the Saints and the Buccaneers is that the NFC South is so bad that I think it's going to make it more difficult for a Kendra Miller or, you know, from a very deep perspective with the Buccaneers for a Sean Tucker to be used more if either of the starters go out because those teams are not going to be eliminated from the playoff chase until the very end. I mean, this division could have a team with a losing record win the division so someone like a Jamal Williams might be a little bit more interesting than I'm suggesting. Chase Edmonds becomes vaguely interesting with the Buccaneers when you consider how concentrated the running back offense has been. Now you could say, well, an offense that is concentrated around the starter will not necessarily be concentrated around the backup. But when you look at where Rashad White is with his routes, where he has 26 more routes in this game, even though he doesn't get the targets that we're used to, Chase Edmonds in say a medium league becomes more interesting than really his talent or his profile suggests in a, in a medium to medium deep league is chase Edmonds somebody you're stashing i think so i think in terms of the gap between what he's getting now and what he would get then but it, it Edmonds is only again only injury contingent basically in this situation there's again no standalone value i would rather be looking for players where there is that standalone currently and then the upside is is a lot bigger and at the moment with rashad white healthy there's there's nothing there for edmonds well michael carter as we move to the nfc west drew five targets this week and really put a huge dent in james connor they almost played the same number of snaps this gives you a feel for the big difference between these teams in the nfc south where everybody's in the race and the cardinals who are one of the worst teams in football and obviously not in the nfc west race there is less incentive to really ride someone like connor for a lot of leagues you're outside the trade window probably after this game you couldn't move james connor michael carter an interesting stash i mean he's been a decent player at times is he someone that just for that standalone value that you mentioned do you think there's going to be standalone value i should say in a medium to medium deep league is michael carter gonna have another game where he's this involved as a receiver this was just a weird i didn't really see it coming this quickly in terms of like if they were going to split the backfield and with james connor being healthy in this one that just it was kind of a little bit bizarre to me so i have a lot of concerns about how james connor's can be used moving forward and i do think we're going to be into a situation here where it's a 65 35 split or maybe even a 60 40 split moving forward so i do think there's gonna be standalone value and i do like the way he has shown in the passing game in the past and how he got the five targets in this game and i do think the cardinals are going to be behind quite a bit so i'd be looking for running back targets if i'm targeting that backfield moving forward i, I think that <laughs> i didn't think i was going to say this sean 
a week ago, but I think he could be interesting over the, the final stretch here. Do you agree? I, I just find this a bizarre backfield situation. And I kind of mentioned with Carderell Patterson that I kind of wanted to see that for another week. This one felt more like this is the way it's going to be moving forward. Well, again, we're trying to look at, and, and I say again for myself as I try and think through it, we're focusing on leagues where you may not have a ton of roster spots and you're gonna and there are good players in free agency and you may have to cut good players off your own team onto waivers in order to sculpt your team in the way that you want i think that you can if you have two starters ahead of james connor i think you can cut him in order to handcuff an elite starter on your own team who's in an offensive context to where an injury to one of those guys would move the backup into a better situation than James Conner has. And that's something that it can be tricky to do because James Conner obviously is a starter. He's going to get some workload. But if you end up having to play Conner in your fantasy semis or finals, in part because you have mentally forced him there because he's a starter, because you used a draft pick on him as opposed to someone you picked up off of waivers, playing him in the fantasy playoffs could be the thing that knocks you out of your tournament. Call for the Rams. Kyron Williams, obviously the big headliner, but Royce Freeman has a 23-yard touchdown run. They have the fourth best playoff schedule. They looked very good in this game where you have Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua all healthy. Now, the frustrating thing is that Cup and Nakua did not do anything. You get the numbers also for Tyler Higby, but this offense looked unstoppable. How much of that is Arizona and how much of it is you actually do want to make sure you have Royce Freeman? That is a, that's the big question, Sean, how much of it is Arizona. I find so much strange just from what Arizona did in that contest. I find the Rams' ability also to run the ball in that amazing. Uh, they they ran it with ease. We've seen that obviously Cup and Naku are almost faded out of the game because of that reason. I think that we're going to have a lot more weeks where it's back in the passing side of things with Obviously, Stafford had a, a big statistical day, but where they're leaning more on the pass and the run, and they're not in such control that they can just continue to run it and run it and run it. But I was impressed with both running backs in this game, and we have seen Williams not stay 100% healthy. So Freeman, for me, is is definitely somebody to try and add into the rosters. And we we touched on it's not going to be there every week his standalone kind of value, but I would like to have the opportunity to add freeman if i if i have the roster spot available on the rams as i mentioned there with cup and nakua you know i'm sure there's a lot of managers out there who are concerned after what happened last week but i do think that that was just mostly game script dependent based on the way the cardinals were absolutely terrible in that game so have have you concerns with williams and friedman that and the games where the Rams maybe aren't favorites or are behind that they are almost forgotten about for the receivers and the kind of opposite of this contest? Uh, not really in that the floor for Kyron Williams has been very high when he's been healthy and they've managed to make someone who, and certainly anybody who disputes this, I'm perfectly fine with, but we have a, we do have a lot of different 
types of data points suggesting that Kyron Williams is not an elite talent, even though he's had some fantastic games this year. But Sean McVay, when you have the offense hitting on all cylinders the way that it was this last week and the way I think it can across the last stretch, he's going to create plenty of running back value, and especially in a situation where you have good fantasy playoff schedule. Come on, the Seattle Seahawks, Zach Charbonnet, the starter while Kenneth Walker is injured. You obviously are going to want him. I have a lot of stats about how he's played in the article. If you're interested in that, make sure you check it out, but we're not going to dive into that as it's pretty clear cut that you want both of the Seahawks backs and you want both of them, despite the fact that you can actually make a similar argument to what they're doing with the situation we described with the Arizona Cardinals, but the talent difference in the Seattle equation is enough different. You obviously want both of those guys. San Francisco 49ers, Elijah Mitchell, eight opportunities on 17 snaps. It's really borderline for him whether you would consider it to be standalone value. He obviously has at least some handcuff value. They have the best fantasy playoff schedule of all teams. If there is a CMC team that's looking to be alive in your own playoffs, (laughs) that's very scary for you. You may have to put up a lot of points to overcome that. Are you comfortable enough with Mitchell's injury background to use a spot on him, or would you wait until you know the horror of a, of a CMC injury came up to make that move? Again, every every I, I've mentioned this a few times. Every team and every situation can be different, but I think if you're looking at upside backups at the moment, this situation is, and, and it would be dreadful if anything did happen. McCaffrey any missed time, but. Mitchell has the highest upside, I think, out of any of the the secondary options we've talked about here. Standalone is going to be a lot less, but like I talked about with the Dallas Cowboys, they are going to the 49ers going to blow some teams out, and that opens up some opportunities as well, potentially for Mitchell. But with the strength of schedule, with how good this offense is and how they put up points, how much they want to run the ball, I think he would be one of the priority guys here for me. Am I too high on him here? No, I don't think so. And I I have added him in deeper leagues. I guess I do think that they would be a committee if you have CMC go down. And there's so much talent at the receiving positions that Elijah Mitchell for me is someone that you... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And for me, Elijah Mitchell is somebody that based on the logic you have to add. And at the same time, he's a scary trap player. Basically, we're just going to hope that CMC stays healthy. Moving over to the AFC, we go to the AFC East. We have the Buffalo Bills. James Cook gets outsnapped by Latavius Murray after dropping in the walk-in touchdown. Murray, 14 opportunities, 9 carries, 5 targets, Colin. Somehow, they have all of these guys on their team, and they see fit to use 5 targets on Latavius Murray. Murray's evasion rate, dead last in the entire NFL. James Cook doubles him in yards per route the question here is he's not really the starter but is the guy who led the buffalo bills in snaps at the running back position in week 12 is he rosterable in any format of any size this is heartbreaking sean but the answer i think is yes oh man Uh, yeah that's that's the way the situation has got and i i think we're not far off at being completely the opposite way in james cook having some monster performances but the problem is we're seeing when he when cook is getting those opportunities like you mentioned with the potential 
walk-in touchdown this past week he, he's not you know taking those opportunities and they have used murray as well sometimes in the red zone for example so he's taken some of those high leverage touches as well so as bad as it is sean i think the answer is yes that that is yeah I, i've put latavius murray on some teams but in deep 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 leagues you talk about 60 man roster spots yeah yeah maybe maybe <laughs> you talk about taking the opportunities james cook has actually got four rushes and four receptions of 20 plus yards so there are specific types of opportunities that he has not taken and he's made some huge mistakes but he's flashed and he continues to flash i think when you have that i think think talent wise there's that like there's no comparison talent wise here or you know who has the most upside but i think if we're looking over the next five weeks right but the thing isn't that there's no comparison in talent because that's fairly straightforward the thing is that even if latavius murray were much much better there would be no comparison in talent because james cook is that electric you've got to lean into your good players and i think if you're a fantasy manager you've also got to lean into more uh more talent than latavius murray brings to you miami dolphins is a weird one. obviously you're rostering raheem mostert obviously you're rostering devon achan they haven't been very happy with Jeff Wilson this year. And part of that, you know, could be injury related. Are you bothering to stash him knowing that, you know, he had arguably lost the role to Salvin Ahmed before Ahmed goes on IR? I mean, you probably need both Mostert and Achan to go down for him to be relevant, but both of those guys appear to be dinged up, even though Mostert has been able to play through it. Yeah, this is one where I'd kind of be keeping tabs on the situation. I don't think there's a need to pick him up yet. I think one or both would need to be down. I, th- I think if you got into a situation where Mostert was down and A-Chain was back, I think you would you would want him on your roster just based on how valuable it would be to be part of that offense. But at the moment, with hopefully uh, A-Chain coming back, there's no need to do that. So, Colin, we can also slide by the New England Patriots and he who should not be named. Is that Mike Jones York- or Ezekiel Elliott? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of people that we uh, are, are risking some you know, very bad by naming the different players, sadly. Dalvin Cook, 15 routes in this last week. Colin Dalvin Cook was a lot, lot better than Alexander Madison last year. He hasn't gotten much of a chance to play with the Jets. It's hard to evaluate him. You look at someone like a Brees Hall who's got basically no yards before contact because of that offensive environment i may be by myself here i kind of like dalvin cook it's funny with my co-managers i'll go in and add him and they'll go in and cut him which again i completely agree with our our if dalvin cook showed up on our roster would you be quick to cut him the next week i probably wouldn't cut him but sometimes sean there's players that appear on our rosters and i'm say to sean how come this player appeared on our roster the one of those players sean after the early point of the season was trey mcbride was cut from our roster and that was one that uh we had to rectify we have him back on the roster i didn't realize that we had we had drafted him and cut him and gotten him back see you just you go back after your guys yeah thankfully we did go back after him um but dalvin cook yeah the problem with this is I mean, your guy, Aaron Rodgers, the miracle that 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 we were joking about earlier in the season, and the joke's on us, but uh, but hopefully on us in a good way, where Brees Hall and and Garrett Wilson will be unlocked. I mean, it's about to happen. 
because uh, obviously we talked about our situation with uh, Joshua Dobbs and some of the concerns around post by coming up here for the Vikings. Will he actually be playing? And uh, obviously, oh, Colin, you said, said that we were keeping things close to the vest. You're going to tell mm, people that we no, added no. Aaron Rodgers to the actual Sean roster. Siegel added Aaron Rodgers, and we'll see. This may all just be a ploy, Sean, for Rodgers to be able to say, "Yeah, I, I made the recovery, but we were out of playoff contention, so I, you know, didn't want to risk it." You know, we might never see him out there this season, but we have added Aaron Rodgers in that league. Dalvin Cook, I think, and yeah, the, my fear with players, like you know what this is, the only way this works out for Cook is that Hall goes down. And Sean, we've been through that trauma, and I don't know if I fully processed it from Come, One of the things that I have found is that I am not able to affect running back health by refusing to roster the backups. I've tried. I've tried really hard. I'll leave those guys out there forever. It hasn't helped me yet. But I'm glad that you're bringing that to the table because that Let, is let's get them out of them. also for me. Uh, Baltimore Ravens, Keaton Mitchell, finally involved. You had mentioned all of these splash plays. He looks on his way to the Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. So, Colin, NFL GMs know a lot more about football than we do. They have a lot more information than we have. Usually when I think that I'm right on this stuff, I'll find out some other information later. Keaton Mitchell was one of my highest ranked running back prospects this year. I do think that one of the shifts that we will see over the next three or four years is that when you get into the five, six, seven range, teams are going to start taking these running backs who are athletic and productive as opposed to letting them fall to free agency and as opposed to just drafting some random practice squad guy at a different position. I mean, there are players out there, and this has been a trend, that if you are extremely athletic, if you can run by NFL defenders and you did it in a huge way at college, even if it was against lesser competition, because one of the things that's happened is that some of these guys have faced this same problem their entire careers, is that you're small in high school, and so you don't get to go to a big college, and then you are small and you're playing small school competition because you were small to start with, and then you again dominate, but because you are dominating lesser players, then you don't get drafted by the NFL. And then you have your draft pedigree held against you and you've got to fight to overcome the hurdles as opposed to being given all of these extra touches. So you've got to be awesome as opposed to just solid. And yet still some of these small guys overcome it. And because of the way defenses are playing, that speed element and the run to daylight is even more valuable. Anyway, I like Keaton Mitchell. I think that he should have been drafted and... I'm glad that he played for the Baltimore Ravens in this last game. Justice Hill was weirdly involved. We like Justice Hill, but I don't know that he's done the things on the field that would really justify that. Here's a question of guts column. If you have two other clear starters, you have some other needs. You've watched this game where it becomes very obvious that one, the Baltimore Ravens still are having problems with their offense and two, that Gus Edwards might just be the goal line back only. Would you have, again, shallow format, we want to hear a hot take for the audience. Tell us that you would be willing to cut Gus Edwards to address some other spots. I mean, Gus I Edwards is one of the highest scoring running backs in fantasy football. Yeah, I'm still going to keep him there. Okay. The other side of that, Sean, is I have zero, uh, zero teams with Gus Edwards, so... Don't I would like to have a few more of those. That does make sense. 
Joe Mixon, eight carries, 16 yards. I don't think anyone saw that coming in a game where Browning was going to start against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chase Brown, they said they're going to evaluate him going forward. With Joe Burrow out, do you have any interest? We had to cut Chase Brown off of our dynasty team. That's for a dynasty format is a shallow format. We cut him. Are you stashing him in redraft? No. Cleveland Browns, Pierre Strong doesn't play. That part is always sad. Jerome Ford barely carries more than Kareem Hunt, but is very involved as a receiver with 35 routes this week. He draws seven targets. The team may move to Joe Flacco, which will completely upset and recalibrate how this team works on offense. Perhaps did, for the you better. Think we, did you ever think we would be in a situation contemplating the possibility of Joe Flacco starting another NFL game? I'm glad that he is. I just I want him to drop back and throw 60 times, 30 of which are. I bet you he can still throw it 80 yards. Yeah, I think I, can... Joe Flacco is great. I, I love this. I mean, you would love this if the Cleveland Browns had receivers, but I mean, you have Amari Cooper, who is just a guy. You have Elijah Moore, who I, mean, I love Elijah Moore. I write positive articles about him all the time. Not for a while, because his move to the Cleveland Browns has continued the trend last season with the Jets, where with the Jets, it's very easy to blame it on the quarterback play. Elijah Moore draws all of these targets where the ball is nowhere close. At some point, you wonder... <laughs> If maybe there is a little bit of an issue with the route, I don't know. I If they had a, a fun guy, and maybe Cedric Tillman is that guy. Maybe Cedric Tillman is going to be the breakout player with Joe Flacco, Cleveland Browns, in your very deep leagues. You can look for that. It's not like they're both, they're both in the practice squad and he's throwing it to him, and then he has a chemistry. Is that the kind of, is that the narrative you're going for? Colin, Cedric Tillman caught a bunch of passes in this last game, and he and Jalen Hyatt, were you know big stars there at Tennessee, right? And so it's just it's Cedric Tillman time. You you got to keep moving on. You got to develop your guys. They they moved Donovan Peoples Jones, who I don't know has played a snap for the Detroit Lions, uh, but Cedric Tillman five targets, four receptions, fifty five yards. He's making some hands catches that ball out there in front of him. He had one column where he stuck it with the hands. He's got the defensive back all over him. Doesn't even bother ever bringing it into his chest. He's like, yeah, hands. I got it. Yeah. I, what I I just uh, I think the one thing that might get me to want to watch a Cleveland Browns game is if Joe Flacco was the quarterback. Well, I I love the little dude who got hurt last week, um, but I also do get quite a bit of entertainment from Joe Flacco throwing the ball up. Colin, everybody knows we want both Pittsburgh Steelers running backs moving to the AFC South. You have the Houston Texans. Demon Pierce, six opportunities. Devin Singletary has the third highest snap share of any back. He doesn't touch the ball on a lot of those snaps. So that is a problem. You have to not only be on the field, you have to touch it. You just want to leave the ball. You need to leave the ball in CJ Stroud's hands. You don't need the running back. You do. (laughs) You do. So, I mean, that's always the consideration there with Devin Singletary. He does actually get high value touches, though, which were in short supply for running backs this week. And cj stroud i mean something that you could understand him delivering right he can move the ball he's going to get you some of those high value touches unfortunately singletary stuffed a couple times at the goal line he does run 33 routes seven targets 33 yard reception where you can see that ability to make guys miss 
I don't think Damian Pierce is rosterable in shallow leagues. Maybe the question is, Devin Singletary in deep leagues, how confident are you there? I mean, is Devin Singletary someone you would feel comfortable starting down the stretch in the playoffs? Yes. Sean, I'm, I, may be the, I may be the Devin Singletary guy. There might be no other ones, but I may be him. I like it. But uh, I, like I think, again, offense that we were hoping would be improved, we did not see it coming to the point where it has here with CJ Stroud at this point of the season. So, yeah, I would I would want to have him in there. Um, even though some weeks, like last week, it may seem a little bit frustrating that he's out there, but he's not really getting involved. But, um, yeah, I, I would I would roll him out. Jacksonville Jaguars, Travis Etienne, Darnus Johnson. Run them into the bunch. line. Run them into the line. <laughs> Column, the Advanced Stat Explorer will tell you that Travis Etienne, we talked about the long gains. And for folks who don't understand our frustration there, because there have been points, or there were points until the last month, Brees Hall, number one in the NFL in stuffs, we know the Jets' offensive line and offense is not giving him much chance there. But the next three guys who are tied at 24% are interesting in that they're Travis Etienne in an offense where there's really no excuse because they have Trevor Lawrence and they've got the three to four dynamic receiving weapons. He's in that mix. Saquon Barkley, you understand that. They're on their third string QB. Jerome Ford, they're on their backup QBs. Everybody knows they want to run the ball. Three of those four, very understandable. Again, ETN is the one that stands out as being really weird and either a problem for him. You know, you've always got to admit that maybe the running back himself is the issue, but problem potentially for the play calling there. Darnus Johnson plays a bunch this last week. Travis ETN supposedly maybe a little bit questionable from Monday. Darnus Johnson is going to be added in deep leagues. The question here column, Tank Bigsby dropped even in deep leagues. Is that the right move? And one of the things with Bigsby is not only has he struggled as a running back, he's also made some key gaffes on special teams. They still like him. He's still someone you should obviously be looking forward to having at the very least as a handcuff in Dynasty. Cut him in every format though in redraft right now? Yeah, and could have been quite a while ago. Derrick Henry enters week 12 with only 17 more full season snaps than Tajay Spears, but dominates the opportunities against Carolina and equals him in routes. He generates 73 yards after contact, six evaded tackles. We talked earlier in the show about Tony Pollard and give a little context for, I mean, six evaded tackles in one game is massive. He continues to be one of the best after contact backs in football Spears actually has fantastic peripherals. Anybody who is listening to a fantasy football show is going to know that Spears has actually played a huge number of snaps this year. But I do wonder if in shallow leagues, Colin, people are thinking about cutting Spears because that ability to be on the field has not translated into anything that's all that exciting. Maybe a little bit of trap value here with Spears. Will Levis has been not somebody who can be a starting quarterback successfully at the nfl level they don't have great matchups in weeks 14 15 17 but they have that great matchup against this collapsing seahawks in week 16 that to me seems like a game where henry you know might 
actually play most of the game, the Titans might lead. I mean, the thing here with the Titans is they played the only team last week where you would actually expect them to lead the full game and lean into Henry. But Spears, shallow leagues, is he someone you still want? I would still call, or sorry, I would still want to hold him or, you know, pick him up if he's available. I think he's shown enough outside of last week that there is some standalone potential there. I was surprised again at how much it swung back in Henry's favor, but what the way the game played out, that is understandable. But again, if anything was to happen to Henry, and at this point of the season, unless you're going for a different position, there's not going to be many running backs available on the waiver wire at the moment that are going to have the potential upside of a Spears if Henry did get hurt. And again, we don't want anyone to get injured, but looking at that upside over the next couple of weeks, I would still want him there. Colin, moving to the AFC West, Javante Williams plays 70% of the snaps, gets 18 carries, 18 of the lowest value carries that you could possibly ever get. The high value touches were kept for Samaj P. Ryan and Russell Wilson himself. Also, Javante Williams looked awful again. We have to decide on a third starter for our main event team as we try to advance through the fantasy semifinals game level similarity projections on the site absolutely despise williams and his situation here as we try and defeat cocktails and dreams the preeminent mount rushmore of fantasy managers here in the semis we are currently favored by a pretty decent margin obviously you don't want to count on that but we have travis etn who is a little bit dinged up and we have Ramondre Stevenson who is going to continue to get very core, poor quarterback play. We also have a situation and this was maybe the most disappointing development of the early week for me as we t- tend to find out like who under the radar might be hurt Trey McBride with that you know mild hopefully mild groin injury there when we're looking at either the second running back spot or the flex position is Javante Williams this week against the Houston Texans someone you think can turn that volume into a big score it has to at some point right <laughs> uh, the the part there is uh, if it comes down to a situation where there's any fear around Trey McBride and, and hopefully now as the week progresses that won't be the case and he'll be active and available it would for me probably be he would go uh, williams could go in as a flex option if mcbride was out i am battling between javante and etn i still have the edge towards etn but as we get as we say so we want to keep this close to the vest you don't know who's listening so as we get closer to sunday we may make some alternative arrangements what feels strange to me is the one i'm most confident in is ramondre stevenson and he's probably in the worst situation um but he's doing a nice job and i I do think that he'll be heavily targeted as as a running back this week so those ppr points will be very valuable for stevenson so javante and and etn is the one that's up in the air but at the moment i'm i'm still going as williams as the the third option at running back are you are you similar or is there a debate to be had there i don't think that if we get good health news on this actual starters that we can put javante williams in and yet i am terrified 
that with the workload, he could have a two or three touchdown game because they seem to want to get him going as the final piece of this resurrection that the team has undergone. I mean, they're starting to think about themselves as a potential, not just spoiler, but late season power in the AFC. Javante Williams as a stud running back is the final piece. They're going to want to get that established and show what he can do. A 30-point game for Javante Williams at this volume level is not out of the question at all. And a five-point game from Travis Etienne is not out of the question. Depending on who we start, hopefully that's not what happens. Colin, we'll answer the questions on Monday. All will be revealed. (laughs) Colin, you're worried that our opponent might switch in Desmond Ritter for Jordan Love if we make a move at running back. They're like, oh, we got to get – got to – Got to go for the ceiling. Got to go for the ceiling. Desmond Ritter, probably not the ceiling play. Isaiah Pacheco, only guy in Kansas City, right? Only guy. Get those. Los Angeles Chargers, Austin Eckler. Season high, 53 snaps. Not a good game. Season low in speed. Colin, he did only have five and a half rushing expected points in this game, which is a season low. His overall profile still looks pretty good. I say in the article that there's no value for a Joshua Kelly, but we know that he has performed in a couple of games. Watching it actually happen, I don't know. Joshua Kelly, this is a this is a fair one. Do you have any interest in him in case or in the instance where Austin Eckler goes down? No. Isaiah Spiller. He has a, a similar name, not the same spelling as my surname, but even if he was related to me, I still would have no interest. <laughs> I have a family member who is constantly pointing out players and saying that person is only owned by their parents in fantasy. So you went in the same in a in a similar direction there. Joshua Jacobs, number four in total EP per game. Amir Abdullah coming in on some routes. Anybody behind Josh Jacobs, you would be stashing. No. This is a lot of fun. Again, you're gonna have to take the discussion today and apply it to the actual environment in your own league, but it's helpful for me to go through this. It's helpful for me to you know, write almost 5,000 words about it and think through all of these situations. Hopefully it was, you know, at the very least, mildly interesting for listeners. Colin, I appreciate all of the insights and I'm, I'm fired up. I can't wait for week 13 and, and see what happens in the FFPC fantasy semifinals. Can't wait. And we are going to do a rapid exit here, Sean, because I'm going to try and keep this under an hour. We covered all 32 teams. Crazy wheel that we went through there. Anyone that's listening that's enjoyed it, leave us a, a review on your favorite podcast app. We would really appreciate that. Leave us a five-star review. If you're watching over on YouTube, put the thumbs up and subscribe. We'd appreciate that as well. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Martin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out his work, including the link that will be in today's piece that was for the full article that we discussed today up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com